You're listening to season two of Kids Cue the Music, a podcast where we talk to musicians, composers, performers, and kids. Kids like you. We're asking the questions you've always wondered but never had the chance to ask. And we'll listen to music to see what makes it so interesting and fun and sometimes strange. Because music is for you. I am your co-host, Arlene. And I am your co-host, Rebecca Lane, Sarah's mom and director and owner of the Lane School of Music. Let's Let's cue the music. Music. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to another episode of Kids Cue the Music, folks. I'm your host, Mom. <laughs> and I'm your other host, Zara. Oh, boy. Okay. I hope you are buckled in for today's episode, people. My name it's, is that's Rebecca what I call, Lane. That's what you call boring funny, because I'm acting, I'm sounding very bored, but it's like funny. But it's funny. And yeah. what, what is your name, co-host? I already said it. Say it one more time, because you're not Mom. You are... I said your mom. I'm mom, otherwise known as Rebecca, and this is... Your mom, your chocolate chip. This is Zara Lane, folks. Zara Lane, the chocolate chip. An episode of Kids Cue the Music, and Zara's in a... Because we live in chocolate She's in a mood. Yeah, because we're chocolate chips. Today we have a wonderful pianist from Halifax, Nova Scotia on the podcast. Jennifer King is a soloist and a collaborative pianist who recently released her solo album, Oh Mistress Moon. Jennifer, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. It's so nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too as well. So I just want to say before we get started that you have just released an album. This album is a sequel to your successful earlier recording of the same day, yeah. Mistress Mood. Mistress Mood. Mistress Moon. We have a few questions for you. We do. Sure. Yeah. And, and just if I can jump in, the first one, Oh, Mistress Moon, was more sort of romantic music with one Canadian work on it. That was dedicated to me. And then I had met a really wonderful pianist here named Barbara Pritchard, who's who's a who loves commissioning Canadian composers. And so she inspired me to, she, she sort of said, you know, there's lots of Canadian music about the moon. And I said, sure, okay, I'll start looking into it and went on the Canadian Music Center website and did find, in fact, lots of music. And so I decided to do Oh Mistress Moon, but Canadian edition. So that's oh, what I'm uh, different from the first one. So, okay. Okay. We have a few questions for you. Okay. Uh, Cause you just answered one of our questions, actually. So that is really cool. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, what instruments you're playing, how? You got started as a musician. So I started playing the piano really early, like maybe even three. But my mom has since retired, but she was a piano teacher. And she one day just showed me how the music worked on the staff. And I was I was four. And she showed me, it was like a little Boris Berlin book. It was a very old-fashioned sort of learning to play the piano. And I still remember very vividly, there was a little fence post with little birds. And the fence post, there were five lines. And and then the little birds were sitting on the fence post. And she showed that to me and said, you know, these are the letters of the alphabet and they go up like this. And then I read the whole book. It just clicked. And so, and I was four, so I really learned to read music as soon as I learned, I think even maybe before I learned to read words, like I was, they just both clicked very clearly in my mind. And and I think because there was so much music in our house, you know, because she had taught a lot of kids. And so I just picked it up and that sort of started this real love of just 
exploring music all the time. Like, and I was really fortunate. We had a lot of music books in our house. And, and so that's really how I got started, Zara, was really, I was just very lucky to, and then I, I remember getting to a piece in a book and I probably was in primary, like it's my, you know, five or something. And I couldn't quite read it. It was a little more complicated to two hands together, or maybe there was a little chord and I couldn't read it. And I wonder, wrote in the book, I hate this piece <laughs> because I, I finally found like a roadblock and then I had to start and think about it. And I mean, I was really lucky. I was had, you know, a mom that I could go to and ask for help. Yeah. So music reading and sight reading or just learning anything like pop songs, or I remember being probably 12 or 13 and we had all the Beethoven sonatas and I spent a summer going through all 32 of them. Like not even that I could play them that wonderfully. Some of them I could, but I just wanted to learn them. So it's always been a passion. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone say that they just were taught to read music and then they could read it (laughs) without really practicing the art of reading music. You're still learning. Yeah, we're not working at all. We're not working on it very hard. Yeah, can we do some other questions? Yes. Yeah, go for it. Okay, number two. What is a collaborative pianist? So, I guess if you're collaborating, you're working with others, right? And so, a collaborative pianist is somebody that makes music with others, as opposed to a solo pianist who is just playing on their own. And so I did study solo piano. I did a performance degree at McGill. I did my master's there and I did do it in solo piano, but I always knew I wanted to work with others. And so it took me to do some studies. I I studied at the Royal Academy and and did there, they called it a piano accompaniment diploma. But collaborative piano means you're, you're working with all musicians. So I used to have a job at a university and I'd play for singers and trombone and violin and cello and French horn and saxophone and flute and clarinet. Like I learned all the repertoire for all those and being a good reader meant I was able to cope with all that music. So that's, you know, and do, and sometimes playing music more than just two people. Sometimes you might be playing in an orchestra, but that's really what a collaborative pianist is. You, you work with, you collaborate with others, other musicians. That's great. Yeah, like a piano trio, Zara. Remember, we interviewed a few people who were in a piano trio. How do you make a piece of music have a relationship to the environment or the moon? Yeah, because your your pieces in your album, which we're kind of getting around to, are all related in some way to the environment or the moon. Mm-hmm. How, how can a piece of music have a relationship? Which to maybe if the moon? it's wind blowing, you know, like a really smooth sound. Yeah. Well, you know, it was for this album, it was really interesting because I've always been interested in, like, I always like nocturnes. And, and, you know, when, when we're learning piano and you get to a certain level, you start playing those Chopin nocturnes and, and they're kind of like bread and butter for us. You know, they're those kind of true romantic pieces that, you know, you really enjoy playing. But then once I started doing a little research, and this was when I lived in England and I, at that time, I, I lived very close to a wonderful music store, and I started discovering all kinds of other nocturnes. And of course, nocturnes are about the moon. They're pieces about the moon. Nocturnal means evening and night. Some friends knew that I was releasing this first album that was all nocturnes. And then they sort of said to me, hey, there's a really wonderful Facebook page called Mi'kmaq Moons. And these people 
tell the, the stories of the First Nations here and what the moon means and how what you do, the activities that are related to the name of each moon. So they're a little bit different. I've actually got a, a great chart here. I'm just going to pull off the wall. So for instance, the February moon, we sometimes would think folklorically as the snow moon, but in the Mi'kmaq name of the moon, and I can't tell you the ex- how, the, how they say it in, in Mi'kma'ki, but it's called the snow blinding moon which is, you know, if you've ever been in one of those big windswept sort of snowstorms, which is, I think, much more descriptive. And then there was like the maple sugar moon. So the time that you're, you know, tapping the trees. Which and is right about now, March and April. Yes, and that's right. That's right now. So, and then other times that's called the worm moon. Now, I don't oh. know why it's called the worm moon, but the maple sugar moon relates definitely. I, to no- I understand yeah, what they mean. Maybe, maybe the worm moon should be like... Spring where it's where it's all like mucky or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Worms worms like to come out at that time. Worms or warm? Which was it? Warm or worm? Like a like a, a little wiggly worm. It was worm. Okay. I thought I heard worm. So how does this come out in the music then, Jennifer? How yeah. does so so how it came out in the music was I had pieces that I sort of thought, well, I sometimes it was looking at the title, but also they had it created a certain atmosphere. And so I had a collection of pieces and I thought, well, okay, which ones maybe are slightly more romantic or lighter in, in texture? They weren't too, too heavy or dramatic. And I thought, well, those would go probably best for the summer months, you know? So this, like the berries ripening moon or the birds dropping their feathers moon. Like those, those are the kind of pieces that had just this sort of lighter feel to them. Like the, the snow blinding moon was a piece called In the Falling Dark. And so I thought that really tied in well with that. So it was really me just sort of using my imagination and looking at the sort of texture of the piece that the composer used and then thinking about the intention. And like Kevin Lau wrote a beautiful piece called The Dreamer that's on that. And, and that's kind of quite a longer piece and it has some dark moments. It's, it's almost got a jazzy feel sometimes in it and I thought well that would be that would be a good one for the harvest moon or the mate calling moon it it had like this sort of longing in it so it was really just tying in the titles and and the way that the music felt and then looking at the moon the moon names for both folkloric and the Mi'kma'ki names so you looked at the Mi'kma'ki names for the moons and then you found pieces of music that you felt matched that that were already about night or moons or something. Yes, it, it was a little bit of both actually. Mm-hmm. So so sometimes I, I had already knew the piece, and then I sort of thought I thought about where it matched the other. So it kind of went both ways actually. There wasn't sort of a formula to it, and in fact, the rivers freezing over moon that Richard Gibson wrote for me, I had actually had another piece I chose, but I didn't really think it suited, and it was another piece by him. And so I said to him, you know, this is the only piece I'm not too sure if it really ties in. And he said, well, I'll just write you a piece. And he said, you tell me, do you want something that's a little more moving or do you want something that's slower? Like, well, how would that fit into the album? And I said, oh, something that's just travels, that's very atmospheric. And and in fact, the river's freezing over moon is one that I, I think is so descriptive. So he really created this beautiful icy feel and sort of a stillness, but you can almost feel like, you know, the way that crust forms on yeah. on low water. You can hear that in the music. And so so that was one that was specially tailored to the album. Okay, so we're going to listen to it in a minute. Okay. But I think you just answered 
another question that we were going to ask, which is this one here. Do you want to... Lady, work with the composer for you for your album. I was like, compose music or do you select music after it was written because it was about the moon? Well, that was problem. That was just answered. So I know the answer. Yeah, okay. I, I, yes, that's true. But there was another piece written too. And with Richard Gibson, I really didn't know, like he didn't, like I just let them write. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And besides saying, you know, this is the title and this is maybe this long, like we sort of decided around three and a half minutes. But, you know, otherwise I just let him go, go, go for it. And then with the other composer, Amy Brandon, that wrote a piece, that one was really, that one's quite complex. And sometimes the way that she had written what hand plays what was very interwoven. So I was like, oh, can you, can you kind of re- structure how that looks on the page because it's really I mean it's a it's a challenging piece anyways but it's difficult to read so she came up with different different ways of the typeset so that it was slightly clearer so it just depends yeah what what the piece offers so we're gonna listen to rivers freezing over moon sure which now I understand the title because when I looked at it before I was like rivers freezing over moon that makes no sense. Yeah. But now that I know it's a kind of moon, it's a kind of river's freezing over moon. It makes yeah. sense. So is, is there anything that we should know about it before we listen to it together? Well, it's, it's quite, I, I find it, it's an interesting mix of music that seems a little bit minimalistic. Like it really is just repeated E flats. Yeah. It's repeated E flat octaves at the beginning. And that actually comes back in another piece too. But yeah, I think it's very delicate, but then it has these little, little sort of, clusters of notes so i don't know i'd be interested to know what you guys think about it <laughs> i listened to parts of it i don't know if you heard it or i want to hit it right right now i can only think of like a camera well not really a camera but like it like something showing underneath like ice and there's mm. like two bubbles or something yeah in the ice and then they kind of come to, together and then they shrink oh. oh yeah i know what you're getting at yeah that's yeah. a nice image and then, it's, and, then it, and then it shrinks and there's, it's just all ice. Okay, are you ready? Yeah.
got that icy feel. It's up high, and at the funny thing is too is that when he finished when he finished that piece i recorded it just like maybe two months later and then it it actually hasn't it actually hasn't had a premiere yet so i recorded it but i actually haven't performed this one yet so that it will get put the premiere of performing this piece will happen at the album launch so that'll be fun that'll be fun to get it out that yeah. is so fun the piece means it makes so much more sense now that i understand the title <laughs> So it's so much more complete. It's that feeling of of like uh, traveling cold water, I think, is all the those E flats that come back and then it's just that little bit of freezing. And yeah, it's 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 interesting the way he wrote it. And he does write fairly atonal music. So music that doesn't have those sort of solid primary chords. Sorry, if you're wondering what atonal music means. (laughs) But it also has this sort of feeling of, I don't know, he uses like, he is a French speaker, so so his his music has sort of French impressionistic. Ah, that makes sense. As well, so there's a little bit of sort of this almost twelve tone feeling, but mixed with impressionism, which I find really interesting. Just to remind us, what is the composer's name again? Oh, his name is Richard Gibson. Richard Gibson. Okay. Um, it also kind of reminds me of like an outdoor ice rink, oh, and oh. it it would like show like if there is like. A, like a video or a show or whatever, it would show the ice rink, and just show the ice rink with that song yeah. in it or something. Yeah, like and it was like like the ice rink rink was getting ready oh. for like a giant for like a really legendary hockey game to happen. <laughs> on Very interesting. You're so Canadian. <laughs> How I can really imagining hockey scenes. Let's well, do a piece of classical well, music. I love hockey. I kind of was imagining. Like a time lapse no, of like, I was, a river like, freezing over. Mm-hmm. No, like no, I, I wasn't really imagining a hockey game. I was imagining like an ice rink freezing to get ready for the hockey. So game. like ice rink freezing over instead of rivers freezing over. It. Well, you, you can still play. That would be an interesting in, kind river, of move. Right? An ice rink's freezing over man. No, I because you can also. I guess it because like when the picture of two bubbles coming together in my head came along, I was like, that could happen on an ice rink too, right? Like, it doesn't have to happen on a river. I like that the music made your imagination go in different places. Now I'm well, really wishing it was so icy. It's too warm for ice rinks now. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I went on the red was the last time I ever knew. I, I like music that really sparks my imagination. I And, and obviously everybody's imagination is going to be sparked with something a little bit different, but I think that's sort of the beauty of, of music, you know, that you just, it all, it means what you want it to mean, right? Yeah, a good piece of music will take your imagination in lots of different Absolutely. directions. That's part of what makes it good. Would you like to play a game of opera or cheese? 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 It's where I shall say some kind of word in a different language or something, and you and her will try to guess if it's an opera or if it's a cheese. Oh, okay. Cool. If an opera or a kind of cheese. Okay. I mean, a kind of cheese. Have you ever heard of pasta or composer? It's a similar game. No. It's a guessing game. It's, it's basically the same thing, except you're guessing it. Oh, I like the opera or cheese, though. I think I'll be good at that one. Yeah. So I'm really quite terrible. Oh, you this. know what goes together? Cheese. Pasta and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the list. Zara will do the asking. Jennifer, I, you and I will oh. do the guessing. 
you have to ask at least one opera. So okay. do three. And is it, is it timed? Like, do I have to get it in a certain amount of time? No. <laughs> <laughs> so at least one opera, because this is a music podcast. After all, we can't just be guessing cheeses. Okay. <laughs> Parsival. Oh, that's an opera. Okay. I, I believe it's an opera as well. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. You sounded so confident, Jennifer. It's I'm just a wonder, yeah. I'm just going to go after you every time. <laughs> Brillat Savarin. Brillat Savarin. Do you want to spell it? Or do you already know, Jennifer? It's a Savarin. I, it, yeah, I think that's a cheese. I think it's a cheese as well. Mm-hmm. But I cheated a little bit. I can I'm cheating too. My daughter worked at a gourmet cheese shop. So I- <laughs> that's not cheating at all. That's like just you have the knowledge in your in your brain. That's not cheating at all. Is it a cheese? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Keep them coming. Keep them coming, Sarah. <laughs> okay, maybe we can do more than three because Jennifer's so quick. And plus here. Well, I'll stop cheating, but I am going to go after Jennifer because yeah, she knows I'll, that. I'll, I'll, okay. This is what I've done before. I don't think you'll remember that though. Okay. Anar. E. Can you spell it? A N A R I dash Y. Oh, yes. R. Anari? I don't know that one. I believe it's a cheese. Let's go for that. Is it a cheese? I don't it think it is. It's a cheese. Just it's a cheesy it's- opera. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do one more. <laughs> no cheating this time. Sorry, it's hard because you blow up the screen and then I can. They're just right there. I really don't, I don't know how to spell the first one. It's like I, I, Bustacho the second or something. Al Tartufo. Tartufo. A Tartufo? Barchetto the second Al Tartufo. I'm just, I'm just doing the. Well, that's a Bustacho the second on like what I've heard people do it in history because like, oh. Yeah, it really is like I, I, blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh, the I, I, I being the second. I see, yeah. I see, I see, like a Roman numeral. That, that's a cheese, though. That sounds like a cheese. What is it? I cannot win this round. Is it a cheese? Yes, it is. This is Super? the first time we've gotten all of them right. Oh. That never happens. You're amazing at this game. I feel <laughs> like we should send you some sort of trophy or crown or something. <laughs> that's hilarious. Spectacular. <laughs> Is there something wrong with their phone? Yes, there is. We don't need to talk about it now. What is wrong with their phone? I don't know. It's breaking. Cheese. Opera. Opera. Cheese. Opera. Or cheese. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so well, much. Well, Dad showed us also breaking. This was fun. <laughs> thank you so much for being with yeah, us. Yeah, and I, li- I look forward to listening. This was good fun. Thank you so much. And we'll join you next time on another episode of Get Skip the Music. Beep, 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 beep. Have a great day, everyone. Beep. Thanks for listening to Kids Cue the Music. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes and follow us on social media at Lane School of Music. I'm Zara Lane. And I'm Rebecca Lane. See you next time on Kids Cue the Music. music.